Are we ready? Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom. Happy, happy Saturday. It is our 41st episode, 41, the Hebrew Congregation of Houston. We welcome you back. I know it's been a challenging week for me. We are now in April. Uh, we've gotten through our Passover. I pray that everyone was blessed and that uh, the Lord showed them some things. I know he showed me some things, uh, wonderful things. And then sometimes he'll show you some other things about yourself as you're uh, going through your fast and praying. I, I call it a little fast because, you know, I like bread. So it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a fast for me. But um, I experienced some wonderful things. Uh, keep my family in prayer. My, uh, we got a text last night. My sister-in-law, which is my husband's brother, wife died of cancer last night uh, in Mississippi. So keep our family in prayer, please. And so she's uh, went home to be with the Lord. So uh, that being said, Brother Mike, if you can go ahead and open us up in prayer, because I know I sure need it. I'm sorry, Colt Elisa, she's going to open us up in prayer. And then Brother Mike, he will end us in prayer today. Thank you, uh, audience. I appreciate the privilege to pray and to go before the Father on our behalf. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you most of all just for you being you. We know that all things are in your hand and that nothing happens by chance or without your knowledge. Please keep us in your hand. Please keep us wrapped uh, in your arms. Please keep our minds alert. Please help us to keep our mouths closed when we need to and speak when we need to. We pray uh, right now for, on behalf of um, Sister Easter's sister-in-law yeah. and the entire family, her husband, uh, all those that are involved in that family of father, please keep them close in your heart. Please protect them. Please give them opportunity to mourn and to encourage each other as they mourn, but to remember her as a lively young woman as how they remember her. Thank you so much for that. We pray for each and every household that is represented here today. We also definitely want to bring joy and thanksgiving for the newlyweds that are here. Yes. Thank you for them. Thank you for that union. Thank you for parents on both sides, Father. Please increase our hearts and our minds to your Torah. Please give us understand and break down the walls and the blinders that uh, keep us from seeing and hearing and understanding correctly. This we ask in Yeshua's name. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. 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 Thank you for that wonderful prayer. Uh, we're going to give it over to Brother Mike. He was supposed to uh, give us a test today, but I take everything very seriously and I don't like to flunk a test. So like I said, this week has been challenging with weddings and, and death. And so uh, we're going to have our test next week. And so uh, we're going to give you another opportunity to study. So you go through all the, um, from one to 41 into all of our episodes so you can study the Hebrew word so we can get started and speak in Hebrew. Okay. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Thank you, Achot uh, Easter. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get started and just do like a little quick review on some of the stuff we can look forward to on next week. So the first one is going to be 
Can y'all hear me? Yes, yes, we can. Right. The first one is rega. Rega. Somebody's trying to rush you, you say one moment, rega. Okay. One moment. Then we have savlanut, which probably, uh, I know me a lot of times, sometimes I need this when you get anxious. Scripture says be anxious for nothing. Savlanut is patience. Patience. Savlanut. Savlanut is patience. Next word is chamazeh. Chamazeh. How much is this? I have a pen here. How much is this pen? Next one is kamazeh ola, ole, kamazeh ole, which is how much does that cost? If you're oh. out at a market in Israel, you can say kamazeh ole. How much does that cost? Oh, I need to know that. <laughs> I'm trying to barter. Right, right. <laughs> Ma Amarta, what did you say? Ma Amarta, what did you say? Then there's meofa. I believe this may have been last week. Me'efo ata, which is where are you from? And when you're speaking to a male, you're speaking to a, a female, it's me'ofa at. Me'efo at. Then you have efo ata God. Efo ata God, which is where do you live if you're speaking to a male? Efo ata God. When you're speaking to a female, efo at gara. Efo at gara. Where do you live? And then for the purpose of this exercise, if you're, uh, say you live over in Tel Aviv, you would say, I need gar be Tel Aviv. But since we're in, most of us are in Houston, we would say, I need gar Houston, Texas. I need gar be Houston, Texas. I live in Houston, Texas. And you say United States, Houston, Texas. Right, because a lot of times you may say Houston and they may not know the Texas part. They may have heard of Houston, you know. So yeah, because they'll ask you, because they asked me when I was over there, uh, USA. And I'm like, I thought that was implied since I said Houston, Texas. But they, they're more concerned with- Yeah, I'll be listening country. and paying attention because I remember you told us that. Yeah. Next okay. one, he may need, he may need. Here am I, here I am, here am I. That's, that's what uh, Abraham told Yahweh when he called out to him before he was going to do the, the sacrifice. Here I am. Here am I. I'm here. Mashlom Cha. Mashlom Cha. That is, if you're speaking to a male, how are you? How are you? If you're speaking to a female, it's Mashlom Mech. Mashlom Mech. How are you if you're speaking to a female? Next word is alo devar. Alo devar. You're welcome. Somebody tell you toda, thank you. Then you would tell them alo devar. Another word you can use in place of that is also bevakasha. Bevakasha, that's Bevakasha, which is, oh, please. No, it's, it's all good. You know, please, you know, or please help. You know, you can use both words when you're using bevakasha. Next one is Mashim Cha. Mashim Cha. If you remember, Hashim means the name. Shim is name. So this is what is your name if you're speaking to a male. Mashim Cha. If you're speaking to a female and you want to know her name, you would say Mashimech. 
Mashamech. Similar to how it was, how are you? Mashlamech. Here we have Mashamech. Mashamech. What's your name? I, somebody asked, like we we were speaking earlier, um, how are you? Mashlamcha. You say, I need the seder. I need the seder. I'm fine. I need the seder. I'm fine. Then you have Naim Miyod. Naim Miyod. Nice to meet you. Naim Miyod. Nice to meet you. And you may get question um you want to let them if you're speaking and everything and you know do a little and they start rambling then you got to interrupt them like no I'm from America I need medaber kisa ivrit that means I speak a little Hebrew you know <laughs> pump the brakes pump the brakes I need medaber kisa ivrit I speak a little Hebrew I okay. speak a little Hebrew slicha slicha that means excuse me. Slicha, excuse me. Then there's Ani Mitzayer. I'm sorry. Ani Mitzayer. Or if you're speaking to a female, Ani Mitzayer. Ani Mitzayer. Ani Lo Mevin. I don't understand. Ani Lo Mevin. Or if you're speaking to a female, Ani Lo Mevina. Ani lo mevina. I don't understand. And, and this, I'm going to put all three of these up just to give you like kind of like a little uh, a play or a little mnemonic type thing. Me means who. Me means who. Who means he. Who means he. And he means she. Me means who, who means he, he means she. I thought that was kind of unique the very first time I, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so me who, who is he, me he, who is she. And then of course we have one of the, the prayers that's said throughout the day, several times the day, the Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel. Adonai or Yahweh is our God. Yahweh Eloheinu. Yahweh is our power. Yahweh is our power. Adonai or Yahweh Echad. Yahweh Echad. Adonai, Yahweh, our God is one. And then the closing of that is Baruch Shem Kavod. Baruch Shem, blessed be his name. We have that word again, Shem. Blessed be his name, Kavod which is glory or glorious. Malkuto, Malik, or Malkano, we, we say a lot of time in our, in our prayers, is king, kingdom, Malkuto, kingdom or rulership. Leolam Bayet, Leolam Bayet, forever and forever. Amen. I think, and I'm not gonna overwhelm us, so I'm gonna <laughs> stop right there and pass the torch over to uh, Achot Easter. Well, thank you so much. So there you have it. So for the week, that's what you can be studying because we're going to have our test 
for real this time on next Saturday. So we're gonna have a little test about it. Study your words because uh, you wanna educate, you wanna learn, uh, you wanna start speaking this to your children. Um, also welcome Griff. Hey everybody, Shabbat Shalom. Tell, tell us how it is to feel married. Oh, it's amazing. It's uh, mm -hmm. I, I'll just say it's a blessing from God. To have a wife is to have a good thing to find a wife and I found one. And so I just give all glory, all praise to the most high for uh, that experience and for just just blessing our, our marriage, our nuptials and the whole ceremony was just awesome. It was, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. Hey, hey uh, real quick, Brother Mike, I was going to ask, you kind of started doing it already. Do you mind teaching us a daily prayer in Hebrew? I would love to start saying a prayer in Hebrew. And I feel like you're giving us the parts, like I'm almost there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just need to connect it all. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that would be awesome. That was one of the reasons I included the Shema. Because that's yeah. something that's uh, said da daily. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, after, but... after next week, Saturday, after our test, we can start getting into that. Okay. Cool. All right. And okay. actually, uh, last week, I'm, I'm not sure if you had tuned in, but uh, uh, Rabbi actually said the prayer that is said before you start learning Torah. So that was, uh, that was I was very glad you know, include yeah. that to kind of like expose everybody to that. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know that there's a prayer that you do before you start studying Torah. So thank you, Brother Mike, for the words. Thank you, Nicole Lisa, for the wonderful, beautiful prayer. Um, our parashah for the week is Leviticus 9, chapter 9 through uh, chapter 11 through the 47th verse. So 9 through 11, uh, 47th verse, Leviticus is our parashah. So you should be reading your parashah for the week, and we'll be studying our words for the week. I'm going to do our Easter keeping it real, and then we're going to um, have Rabbi Absalom do his teaching. And so let's go into our uh, Easter keeping it real on Easter. Let's keep it real. So my topic for today is, y'all see I got my natural hair back, got my glasses on, time to get back to work. Wedding party is over. <laughs> okay, is what are your intentions? So the topic for today is what are your intentions? And a lot of times when my son would ask me, which is Art Griff, he would ask me some things. I would say, well, what are your intentions? What is the end result? And that'll give you the answer to your question. So Yahshua, what was his intention? Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. He says, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So he will bring us out of captivity. That's what that Jeremiah 29 and 11 says. And God intentions, if you go about, look at God intentions, Psalm 57 and two says, I will cry, which means pray to God most high, to the God who performs all things for me. So Yahweh has what? All power. He's over everything and everyone. So those are his intentions. So let's talk about the word intention. The word intention means a thing intended, an aim or a plan, right? So that's the intentions. And so some people have good intentions. Some people have bad intentions. God knows your heart because that's what your intentions are is what's in your heart. You can deceive anybody, but really it's what's in your heart, right? So 
his intentions and his situations, when you pray to him, he's concerned about all your things. And, you know, he's, a, he's concerned about big things and small things. So I'm going to tell you, like, sometimes I pray, like, about getting a parking space. God, let me get a parking space because it's, it's raining outside. Sometimes I pray about the traffic. Get me home quickly. You know, I'm tired of this traffic. Uh, sometimes I pray about being positive in the morning because somebody then stirred up some um, turmoil and I don't want to start my day off bad. Um, and I always pray about what I'm going to come on here and say. I meditate and I pray like, God, what do you want me to say to the people today? And I pray about sometimes getting out of my bed early in the morning because I'm not a morning person. So I say, you know, God, give me a positive attitude. I'm, I'm getting up here at six or seven in the morning. What I'm trying to say, I pray for healing for people. I pray for family. God is concerned about all your prayers whether they're big or small. What are your intentions? So I'm gonna give you an example of, um, even though you may have sometimes a good intention, uh, intention, and you might mean well, sometimes things can cause strife and confusion. And this is why we must, and listen, this is the key. This is why we must continue to be taught, educated, and pray. So I'm gonna give you an example. So a little kid gets up in the morning. And his intention is he wants a slice of cake or she wants a slice of cake for breakfast. Ask the mother. The mother says no and goes and starts getting dressed. The father comes in and says, what do you want for breakfast? The child says, I want a slice of cake. The father gives the child a slice of cake. The mother comes in. Now she's angry and pissed off because she just told you no, right? That child couldn't, they, 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 all they would know is they wanted a slice of cake. Now she mad at her husband. Now you got to be taught when I say no is no. Or when your dad says no is no. Don't go ask the other person or don't tell them what you want. That has to be taught, right? But that child intentions was pure just to get a slice of cake. Where am I going with this? United States intentions. United States intentions were to bring the black Jews here, the Hebrew Israelites and enslave us to never let us go. That was their intentions. Their intentions were bad and keeping us in bondage and never to read, never to have our families together or to be set free. They are not children. Their intentions were set from bad from the beginning for us. I mean, this is Easter keeping it real, that's the truth. That's the power that be, the, the heads of the United States. That was their intentions, right? But God, our Father, our Creator of the world, says it's time to be set free. It is time. We, we've, we've done our 400 years in De Deuteronomy. It's time for us to be set free. Right now, a lot of Hebrews, which are the Black people, are socially conditioned. They're socially conditioned by what? By the media and what the white men are telling them to do. Uh, the Stockholm Syndrome. You will never change the evil intentions of the United States, the power that be. And I'm not trying to say, oh, everybody's out to get us all white people. No, the powers that be, you're not going to change their intentions. So we must be taught like that child, right? We must be taught like that child how to move forward how we must be educated ourselves about our history, about the Torah and how to move forward. Just like that child was educated 
a lot of times your mother said, what goes on in this house, what? Stay in this house, right? We were taught that. So you don't, at first you used to go run in your mouth, but now you don't. So we have to be taught by our father, just like children, we must educate ourselves and uh, be taught the Torah. You must read it to move forward, okay? So you don't be spanked like that child because our father, he chastises the ones that he loves, right? So what am I trying to say? What are your intentions with your life? What are your intentions with your family? And what are your intentions with other people? When you're dealing with people and you're dealing with situations, find out what their intentions are with you and what are your intentions with them? What is the ending result? But what God says, his end result is, God says, I have plans for you to prosper. He has plans not to harm you, to give you hope and to give you a future. That's what his intentions are with you. And if that's not the intention that somebody has with you, you need to move around. You need to move on. You need to educate yourself. You need to get out this situation. And the way we're going to get out this situation in the United States is by what? Reading the Torah, uh, doing our parish, y'all, what we're teaching here, and let God do the rest. That's what our intentions are. That's why we come on every Saturday to teach you where you come from. You didn't come from no cotton field or no, no tobacco field or making some, some wine. You are royalty. Pray, go back to the Torah. Those are your people. We are Hebrew Israelites. We are from Shem, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're here to claim our identity and we're gonna move forward. We already started. Amen. Anybody want to elaborate on what I had had to say today? Uh, Easter, keeping it real. You know that that's something that I struggled with early when I first started learning my identity. Was like, was this by accident? Did this just happen? Did it just so happen that the people that were enslaved were, you know, descendants of the Israelites? Did it just happen that um, all of it panned out this way? Um, but you see in Scripture again and again and again that it's not an accident, that these things intentionally happen to us, that intentionally the, the, the jewelry of God has been hidden. Intentionally, his uh, people have been crushed and oppressed continually, and that's all intentional. Um, and so that's something I went back and forth on like early in my development is like, dang, did it just happen to us? But then you realize, no, this was all very intentional. And it didn't just, you know, America is the, is the latest uh, uh, person to, to capture us, like the latest entity or power to capture us like this, but it's been happening throughout the ages, right? If we go back to, you know, all the way back to biblical days, there's always been an intentionality to suppress the true people of God. There's always been an intentionality to hide us from our true identity uh, because of the power that we have in this world. And so I just want to follow up and say that, you know, that's something I always thought about. I was like, what, how do we get here? Was it just you know, was it just uh, whatever random events? Like, this is how the course of history happened, but scripture dispels that. Scripture shows again and again, they will do this to you, it's going to happen to you. It's gonna be intentional. And it was intentionality on our behalf too, right? Like we broke the covenant. And so we allowed these things to happen to us. So there's intentionality on both behalves. 
And so I just, you know, agree with you so much, uh, Sister Easter, in that it just, we got to have our intentions right and make sure that we're doing things, um, even thinking about the fact of like what it means to be blameless versus like, like to understand uh, overt versus a covert sin, understand the sin that is, that you did intentionally versus a sin that you just did because you didn't know it was a sin. Um, you're still called blameless in that case. And so like understanding intentionality, I think is so key. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up today. Just wanted to say that. Thank you. Thank you for your input. And sometimes you can sin without knowing. And that's why they had the burnt offerings when even the, the, the heads, the powers that be, the rabbis back in the days, if they led the people in, in the way that they weren't supposed to go, they had to come and repent. They had to burn the lamb and they had to repent and then what line up again on what God wanted them to do, the covenant, the contract agreement. So we read that in the Torah and that's why that's set there for grace. And there's like a, there's a consequence for disobedience. Mm -hmm. And we are where we are today because of our ancestors' disobedience. It's in scripture. <laughs> he even put it in, if you do this, this will happen. But if you do that, that will happen, you know. And it's going to go on from the generation to the generation. And it just, but at some point, we have to break that cycle. And out of Jeremiah 29, thank you, Brother Mike, what I just read, it says, I'm going to bring my nations that are scattered back together. It says that if you keep reading that Jeremiah 29. Those that he scattered, he will ingather again. He's going to gather us back. And that's what he's doing right now. He'll hold up the banner. He'll hold up the banner and the banner will be the sign for us all to come home. I, I, I was listening to the radio the other day and I heard this analogy. And the guy was saying, he was like, you know, th this is Pastor Chuck Smith. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He started the Calvary Chapel movement in America. But what he was saying, he was like, imagine I come home and I tell my wife, baby, get ready. We're about to go to dinner, right? You're about to go to a fancy dinner, baby, you're about to go to dinner. Imagine her saying, no, we're not going to dinner. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I hear what you're saying, but you're not taking me to dinner. How would that make the husband feel? Right. Like I gave you my word. I told you to get ready because we're about to go to this dinner. But you trust me so little that even when I say this to you in full intentionality of doing it, you still are like, no. Nah. Right. It sounds ridiculous to even think that would happen. Right. Any, anybody would be like, no, to their husband. But he was saying that's what we do to God all the time. God has made us these given us these promises, given us these things that he'll give to us. If we just obey, if we just do, as Brother Mike was saying, what uh, is in the word, and we look at it and we say, nah, I see what you're saying, God. I see the promise, but I don't trust you enough. I, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to really give it to me or not. Um, and it's just so ridiculous how, how we treat the Lord in that way and not listening to, as Brother Mike said, it is so plain. Do this, I will bless you. Do this, you will be cursed. Yet the instructions are so plain. Yet and still, we are where we are today. Um, so, you know, it, it just strikes me of how hard, and of course, the Israelites did it for 40 years, wandered the wilderness because they couldn't come back to the commandments of God. So it just strikes me as human beings how rebellious we are and how intentional we are in sin, how intentional we are in choosing something other than the highest good and how we've done it, our ancestors have done it, and we continue to do it throughout history. Now, I know we said this is the time to come back. And, but I just wanted to say like, that's crazy how intentional we are about choosing the wrong good. That's right. That's why I gave that, that analogy of a child because we are what the father's children. And if he tells us, no, it ain't time yet. 
And then what some of us go to the devil and get it intentionally go to the devil and the devil say, here, you can have it. And we wonder why we're in the situation we're in and everything's messed up or our finances have gone down to zero because we, we defiled it by putting that money or going after it the wrong way. And it won't last. Drug money never lasts. <laughs> or any money you get it, prostitute, whatever, it never lasts because it has no value. But when God gives it to you, it has value, it prospers. You can get property and land and houses and, and education. And so that's why, what are your intentions? What are your intentions? How are you getting there? Are you educating yourself to get there? Or are you just letting the devil just throw it at you and, and getting the crumbs under the table like a dog? I want you know, to we serve an intentional God. Just what you read today, his plans for us. That alone should seal it. Like, okay, you know what? He look, he 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 looking out for our good. He got my best interest at heart, you know. So it amazed me, but I understand that whole part when Moshe left, let them out of Egypt and everything. Though they were out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them. Yeah. They want to go back. So that's why he had to get rid of that whole lot <laughs> of a certain age. You know, because you said everything when you're talking about Jeremiah, when he talked to Jeremiah, he even told him, he said, look, you getting ready to talk to these people. They stiff neck, they hard. <laughs> he said, but you just go to them like Flint, you know, don't even you don't even have to look at them. Just speak, just speak. God calls us a stiff neck people. I always thought that was funny. Damn, we got a stiff neck. <laughs> stiff neck, stubborn, hard headed. My grandmother used to say that all in your, your head, just like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom she she had another thing hard head make a soft you know <laughs> that's right we all know that one <laughs> soft behind you're gonna find out that what fat meat is greasy <laughs> okay well that being said we're gonna go to our, our great rabbi off salon for our teaching today <laughs> And I just want you to marinate. Um, what's that? What are your intentions, and what do people have intentions with you? Because so, sometimes their their intentions are right, and sometimes they may be. But you need to think about that. And so uh, today we're going to talk. Uh, Rabbi Afshlan is going to teach on the kosher law. And how do you say kosher? Kashrut law. We call it kashrut law or kosher. <laughs> The cash root law. So I didn't want to uh, butcher and mess it up. The cash root law. <laughs> Don't okay. worry about it. It's already butchered. <laughs> it's already done. <laughs> Thank you so much for everybody's input. You can go ahead and take it over, Rabbi Avshalom. Yeah, it is butchered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. Uh, a little lightness there. Yeah, uh, I'm going to continue with our conditioning today, right? Uh, behavior modification, I should say. And uh, and uh, Mazel Tov, <laughs> uh, you got your ketubah done, <laughs> brother you Griff. You got your ketubah done. So we're here and we are excited about the the uh, the word that comes forward and and goes forward. And all that I've heard and all that we have heard have increased us tremendously. So let's get into this thing. Let's get into this discussion about kosher. Right, or oh, Kashrit law, Kashrit teachings. This parasha 
Shemiti, I think one of the important concepts that we can get out of this teaching today, this parashah, is Kashrit law or what is acceptable and what is unacceptable for the child of Israel. So let me read something right quick before I go into the parish. I got to get one of my, 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 my rabbinic, rabbinic teaching books that, or should I say one of my spiritual uh, books that we study from in the shul or rabbinic academy. And in Shemiti, um, I just want to read a little bit. I did this on Tuesday night. But I want to get, I'm going to touch it now and get a little bit deeper into kosher because kosher, let's pray for the rabbis and the, and the preachers these days, especially for the rabbis, especially us that are trying to teach, right, the, to, to guide you in, in the proper way because we go overboard. Okay, we could go, we could take you out there way out on a limb. So just pray for us, okay, <laughs> that we don't go too far. Yeah, you know, we'll continue to pray. So, so you know, uh, and I and I say that laughingly, but it's true. We do. We go so far, and, and that's what Yeshua was saying. You say, you know, obey what they say, but just don't follow what they're doing, okay? Because these guys are way out there. You know, they stolen the priesthood because we had priests and Levites, right? So now we got the rabbis sitting in the place of the priests and the Levites, and we just mess stuff up sometimes. <laughs> we do a lot of good stuff, but we do mess it up sometimes, you know. <laughs> so we I just want to get that. Out we there. love you, right? Yeah, and, and we do it with a good heart, right? Just like, you know, just like our, our preachers, our pastors, our evangelists, apostles, we, we mess up sometimes, right? But, and so I can I can talk from both sides of it, right? Because I've been on both sides, so, you know, I understand. Go ahead, go ahead, just, You know, what's funny, Rabbi, is, you know, I'm in no way, like, formalized, but my, my mother always tells me, you take it too far. Like, why you got to take it that far? Like, you, you, you're digging too deep. I'm like, it's just in me. I can't help it. It's just something in my soul that has to go that deep. So I feel you 100%. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a teacher. I'd be like, man, you too analytical. It's too deep. Take, <laughs> take it down to five. You're on 10. Settle it's down. inside of me. I can't stop it. It's inside of me. I got I to gotta, I gotta pursue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can get deep sometimes because you get excited about it, right? You see? And so we forget that everybody's not where we are, you know? And one of the things I learned in corporate America is when you're teaching, or when you're speaking and you're considering your audience, think of your audience as all of them being in the fifth grade, right? Teach on a level of a fifth grader. Because if you teach on a college level, right, as a professor, you're gonna lose half the, uh, three quarters of the crowd, they're gone. I mean, when you open your mouth, they're gone. So keep it simple, right? And so that's what I wanna try to do, keep it simple, something we can use today which is one of the reasons why I'm not going to, to really stick with the beginning of the parashah, which is, is about the ordination of, of the priesthood and you know the death of, of the, the, the priests because they offered strange fire. We can get into a lot of speculation about that, you know, why they died. And you know, there are different reasons. Again, us rabbis got into it. We start talking, well, they died because of this and that, and, you know, they'll forget all about that, right? We don't have a temple right now. We're not offering sacrifice. We do have an ordination service, uh, or, or you know that we go through, and that's to make sure that we are 
teaching properly. Well, we're supposed to make, you know, supposed to teach properly, but again, sometimes we stray. So with that, I'm going to uh, deal with, let, let's work with, again, Kashrut law, because we are, in this parashah, tells us that we are called to holiness, right, or sanctification. We are a people that have been set aside by God our Father, right, to assist in the repairing of the world that we live in. It is our responsibility to do that. And so that's why we have people going to prisons and, and different things like that. But all of that, going to prisons, uh, you know, feeding the hungry, is based upon, if you really think about it, on, on being set apart or kosher. See? So when you talk about kosher, think about being set apart, something that's set aside, and it's holy, kosher. Make it holy, make it kosher, make it fit for a king or fit for royalty. There are certain foods and certain things that are fit for the king or fit for the king's family. And we see that in the offerings. It said there's something that's set aside for the priest and the Levite, okay? Certain foods, you know, part, I should say, portions of the food are set aside. So these things we have to really consider when we say that we are the children of Israel and that we are Ibri or Hebrew and that we are the chosen people. We are the, cho the children of, of the Most High. We have to consider that in the lifestyle that we lead. And in that lifestyle, we have, again, kosher, or as we call it, kashrut law, kashrut law of, of and, it, and, and when you're talking kashrut law, it's in this parish, it talks about some of those things, but, and we're gonna get into that. But let me read this as I say it. Let me go ahead and read this. I was given a free reign today to take my time. So <laughs> I'm gonna take my time. <laughs> I need to take my time. I can't put what I have on the screen from this book because it's, uh, I didn't purchase the electronic version. I only have the hard print. It says, um, as is written, I will sprinkle pure water upon you and you will be pure from all, pure from all of your impurities and from all your idols will I purify you. And that comes from Ezekiel chapter 36. 25. Now that 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 prophecy in Ezekiel is very powerful when you read the whole thing all the way to the bottom of it because to the end I should say to the end of it to the raising of it because it talks about things that we oftentimes have missed and we don't focus on about this future temple that is to be built. So so let me go on it says once they are purified they will be sanctified. Again, that's, you're going to be kosher. You're going to be sanctified or kosher. Think about, instead of saying sanctified, say kosher. You're going to be kosher. You are kosher people, okay? You are sanctified. You are holy people. All those sanctification, holiness, kosher or kosher, all tied together, okay? And it's, and it's, again, for a specific people or a nation of people, it's in reference to, okay? And so it says, and the people of Israel, that's where we're going. 
the people of Israel, uh, Israel, my and my my uh, Malakate says Rashral, okay, and the people in Rashral, okay, who cleave to the blessed holy one. Again, here it is. You can be a child of Israel and not cleave because it says here, the people of Israel who cleave to the blessed holy one. So everyone that is that calls himself Israelites or Hebrew are not cleaving to the Holy One. There's a difference in the people, in the conduct and the behavior of the people, okay? Of Israel or Yisrael. It says, are called, they're called holy. You're called holy. The children of Israel are called holy. And I like this, the way that this, this gentleman has interpreted the scripture because he didn't change the name of the children of Israel to Jews. In most of the translations, they'll call they'll change it. And instead of saying Yashrael or Israel, they'll say the, the people of the Jews, which is a part of a conditioning to, I call it, and people say replacement theology is, is, is Christianity, but it's not solely uh, given to the church or certain parts of, of Christianity, but it also is in our faith where we change the name of Israel to Jews because it doesn't say Jews in many places. It says Jews in the book of, of Esther. Uh, you know, and we read it in Purim. But I want you to catch that people of Israel who cleave to the blessed one called holy. Okay. So when we talk about kashrit law and kosher, it's specifically for a particular people who have accepted the name Yisrael or Yisrael or who are from the genetic seed of Israel, who are part of the covenant people through the land of Abraham, specifically Yaakov, okay? It says, as is written, holy is Yashrael, or holy is Israel to Yahuwah, or, you know, Yah, to the Lord, our Father, right? So, holy is Israel. Again, I'm reading this because I want, I want to change, um, I want to recondition your mind especially those that call Israel to stop saying, I say this and I know I'm gonna ruffle some feathers. Stop saying Jews are the chosen people because it's Israel. And I know I'll ruffle some feathers when I say that, especially a lot of people that, that call, call themselves that are Jews. And that's okay, I don't mind, I'm not scared of you, right? You know, because I'm saying what the scripture says, I'm saying what the father has said. And it's, it's okay to be a Jew, but just realize that it is Israel that are the chosen people. And you know, but Rabbi, not called. Rabbi, you're right. And that's why I always say we are, because they say, other people say we are the Jews, we're the chosen people. And I'm like, we, the Hebrews are like, we're the chosen people. Yeah. <laughs> and so you'll get into it. Yeah. And that's, a, that's an argument that goes back and forth. But what, so when you get into the courtroom, he said, well, what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? Scripture's going to say, Israel are the holy people of the most high, right? But it says that the nations begin to be called Jews when they fear the God of Israel. 
okay? So if you become a Jew because you have, you're afraid of the, of the God of Israel, then how are you the chosen people, right? So let me get off of that subject right now. Let me get back to Kasher law, all right? Again, but I say that because you have to understand that Israel are kosher or holy people. And I would rather be called Israel or Yisrael or Israel, okay? He said, he said the first fruit of his harvest. Again, so when we're going through this past Pesach and we're going through the first fruit time, first fruit offering to Omer, remember think, it is Israel. Need, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think we need to revisit uh -huh. that because that's confusing to me and I'm sure it's confusing to some of the uh, viewers. So the chosen people to me are the bloodline of Shem, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's not that we have to be in Israel to be the chosen people. So what are, I, I mean, I just need some clarity in what you just said, because there is going to be some controversy on what you just said. Yeah, there will be controversy. But again, as I said, we always go back to the scripture. When you go into the court of law and you go, you have a good attorney, he's going to order, he's going to argue your case based upon law, case law, right? And so we look at the scripture as our case law. So whatever the scripture says or whoever, whoever the scripture says are the people, then that's what the judge is going to go by when he rules, right? He's going to say, okay, if you object to something, what is your case law? For why you're saying that. So if I say I'm an Israelite, right, of the line of Yaakov or Israel, right, who is actually a descendant of Abraham, but again, you can be a descendant of Abraham and not be Israel. Remember that too. That's important. Because I can argue with you all day about Israel about Abraham, but then the Arabs can say, Well, Abraham is my father. I'm the chosen one, right? So your case law that you go back to has to has to show, and and not just one uh, piece of case law, but you have you, it's good to have several. That's why I said about two or three witnesses. So get you two or three cases where it shows that it says that Israel are the chosen people. And then you, and then of course, but today it's very challenging because we say we're Israel. Then we have to prove it by case law. So what we stand on, if you don't mind me going to this, if, we, if we're Go gonna ahead. stand on case law and one of our biggest defenses when we present our case as to we are Israel or Israel is what it says in the scripture. It says that what happened to us is because of what the scripture says. We are scattered because what, this, uh, what, what we have done is exactly what Moshe or the prophet said what will happen. Well, what happened to the children? How can we prove that? It says that in the book of Deuteronomy or Deuteronomy, it says that if we disobey the commandment or the covenant, that we will be scattered amongst the nations. And it says that we will lose our identity. It says that. It actually says we will lose who we are. And while we're in the land of our captivity, we will remember who we are. So now you got to say, okay, now, if that is true, and if that's the case law, then how you identify the people? We said you have to look at the people that says, if I break the covenant or contract agreement, I'm going to be the tail and not the head. So you start looking at the people, the people as a whole. Are they the head or are they the tail? The other nations are going to look at them with disdain and scorn. They're going to be a byword. You look at the whole people. Is, are they a byword? 
Are they looked on with disdain? Are they the judges of the earth by the nations that nations look upon as the worst of all people? You have to look at the all people and see where, where, where their children stripped out of their arms. Yeah. All the where their wives taken from them, you know, in their faces while they look, their why while they and their children taken while they look. All of this is in the book of Deuteronomy. That's our case law. Did they build the right? land that, that they that they don't have access that they're not owning? Right. 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 And a people with a language that you don't understand have taken you. Right. So you lost your land, your heritage, your culture, you, your children are taken away. And, and sometimes we're marrying people that are actually our blood from our fathers and mothers because they were taken away from us. And we've inter, in other words, we've inter, inbreed it. We are inbred people because of that. You and know? the Hebrew, and, and so, Hebrew Israelite, African-American, melanin people, black, brown, whatever you want to call us, we're the only race that this has happened yeah. to in, in the creation. Yeah. yeah, and it's to, continually, it's, and, it continues. And to that point, I always say we are like, people say, oh, well, other people have been enslaved, other people have been oppressed, other people have been crushed. There's no other people in this world who don't have an ethnicity. If I ask anybody else where they're from, they can tell me, oh, I'm Mexican, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm German, I'm whatever. You ask us, we say we're black, we're a color. We're the only people in this world that are identity list when it comes to it in the context of being an African American. It, it, it started. Oh, it started nigger, then Negro, then Black. Now it's African American. That's the byword, right? That's the byword. Yeah. It's always a byword yeah. for us. Always right. another label for us, mislabeling us. Yeah, and so we don't know who we are, right? For years we have not we have not known who we are, right? And so again, that's that's our prima facie evidence. And our case law that proves who we are. Okay. So you can't just stop there though, because there's so many other scriptures that go along with it that I'm not hitting into, you know, not just in the book of Deuteronomy, but even you go into to, to, you know, the uh, talks about being beyond the rivers of Cush and all those things. You say we're in Cush, that's in the continent of Africa. So all those are prophecies talking about where. The Most High is going to bring the people from and where, where, where they went, where they're scattered to, and where they're coming from, you see. So all those things are, are, are there for you to research. Again, we look, we use a, a good starting point if you're just coming into this understanding or just hearing about it is to go back to the book of Deuteronomy. And, and you know, we preached that uh, Deuteronomy 28 when we talk about the blessings. Blessed in coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. You know, we talk about that part and we forget about oftentimes about the tail end that of, of what's going to happen. Again, so now I understand I am an Israelite, not because of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. Check that, right? B but because of what the scripture has said about me. And it lines up, right? And so you can be in the same household and one will say, well, I'm a Gentile. And the other say, well, and you come to the night, you say, I'm an Israelite. And so both of you in the same world, both of some same parents, but one will say I am and one will say I'm not. It says one should be taken, two should be in the field, one should be taken, one should be left behind, right? You see, so you see what Yeshua is talking about. See, you, you can begin to see that, right? When the time comes that you can be in the same house, same parents, believe 
and unbelief and not believe. So you can be, both of you can be a dark skin, right? But still not believe the same thing. And you can be the same color skin. One can be black and one can be white, right? One could be dark skin, one could be from past full white Caucasian and you have the same parents. Right. So you can't go. We, we know that yeah. we're the only people, two black people can make a, a albino, yeah. a white baby. Yeah. But right. we know two white can't ever produce a black. So right. that tells you so right there where creation well, started. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't say that two whites couldn't produce a black because in there, right, the genetics, the genetic code can spring forth three generations later and they come out with a dark, dark. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm yet to see it. So, you know, so, so we have to be careful with that sometimes. So yeah. yeah. We can agree. But, but normally, or... yeah. Yeah. But normally you wouldn't see that, you know, but you see it a lot of times because you go into Nigeria or, or in West Africa or, or anywhere in Africa and you see, you know, African parents, both of them, I mean, African and they have a white child, right? Blonde hair, blue eyes, straight hair, you know, we, and all that kind of stuff. And, they, and they're on the continent of Africa and all they know is, this is where I am, but you know, so, and they're not albino, by the way, not all albino, just the genetic code can play a trick on you sometime, right? Because remember, everyone that lives came from the continent of Africa. So all the different hues of, of colors come from the continent of Africa. And I say that again, so that we can understand that when the Israelites were taken from the continent of Africa, they also took some Hamites, okay? Hamites mixed in with the Israelites. And being on the slave ship and being sold as chattel, and according to the constitution, you had no rights anyway. So they could take your wives and marry you to a Hamite. So you have Israelites married to Hamites, having children, right? And so we are mixed and blended people. Again, they tried to kill us. That was one of the ways to destroy us, you know, destroy you, your, who you are, because Kashrut law says that we're not supposed to mix. And see, that's a part of, uh, again, I'm back to Kashrut law now, right? See how it gets back to it? Mm -hmm. Because we're not supposed to mix with certain things food-wise as a holy people, not based upon the color of our skin. Again, not being based on the color of our skin, but based upon uh, uh, of the Torah, of, of our belief in and following the Torah. That's more important than anything else that we can come up with is understanding and living by the Torah, all right? If you are blessed enough, yeah, go ahead, brother. So then Rabbi, what do you say to folks, like, I'm just gonna throw it out, like, like Jerry would have probably objected and said like, well, by living by the Torah, we're living by the law. And Grace says don't live by the law. Well, what would you say to those folks who are in that vein of thinking? Says you don't need the law. Mm -hmm. Then I, I go back to Torah again, all right? If you are the children of Israel, he says it's forever, for every generation. If you say that grace abounds, then that means that no matter how many times you sin, it's okay because you say that Jesus died on the cross and so all your sins are forgiven. And that, so now we're under grace. Well, we're still dying. We're still scattered amongst the nations. We still have sickness and disease. All of that should not be if we're under grace and Yeshua died for your sins 
because when you're free from sin, that means you're, you're free from sickness and disease and the and sting of death has no power over you anymore. And so you have to really consider that. When you say that, you don't need the teachings. And see, not law, but it's the teachings, which, which actually the teachings show us how to repair the world. See, there's so much of this teaching that you need to get, we need to get to before we start talking about grace, because all of that ties into how we repair the world that has been destroyed. If you're going to repair the world, you have to understand the laws, all right? The governments that are in place in the earth realm, all right? So when you're in Asia or this, this part of the heavens, Asia is where we, the earth realm, Asia, there are certain rules and governments that are set up that were set up in the heavenly realm that come to us. So if you abide, if you operate outside of those, am I going too deep? Am I getting, because I'm doing rabbinic stuff right now, okay. If you start operating outside the law or in, that are in place, okay, then you're not helping in the repair of the world. And if you say that I don't have to abide by those laws, right? I don't have to abide because I'm free to do what I want to, then you're not going to help in the repair. You're not going to, and I, and I think what Griff is trying to say, and, and like, uh, like you said, my husband and other people, Christianity has taught you is basically, okay, the contract agreement is the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments doesn't say thou should not uh, eat, eat uh, some crab legs or something like that. And so that's what the mindset of people. Now, we know some of these things are moral, like the, in Leviticus and the rules, like you shouldn't sleep with your husband's uh cousin and all that kind of stuff and the, the foul abomination but some of the general stuff i think that uh, some people like they they're going a bit too far besides the contract agreement so so that's what we're studying in the in this parashah when you start reading the torah it tells you how to live right how to be a satisfied set aside people and there's certain again there are, there are laws that we are to abide by in that and, and what i what i and say so, is because i came from christianity and i'm crawling this thing out and i'm i'm walking this thing out is we do need to go back to the beginning we do need to go back to the torah we do need to know who our people are and this is for everybody this isn't just like you said for the jews we do need to go back and keeping the sabbath day like yesterday we we started and keeping the sabbath day holy mm -hmm. uh yes i can read my other books and 66 books but i do need to focus on the beginning because yeah. that's where our captivity started that's where our ancestors broke it down while we're here yeah and so, so yeah. it's a daily walk and i'm learning this and i'm learning this yeah. as I'm, I'm going along yeah i cut out about five years the holiday but now i'm starting to do the passover what yashua did before he he died the day before he was crucified and so that's the, that's the thing about it. We have to keep it as, uh, as light as I can. And so again, in dealing with, with the, the grace concept, we're, we've always been under grace, okay? Always, we've always had grace. But in order to operate as a society, we need certain laws or, or precepts to live by. And so of course, in the Torah, which is why, you know, you have the, the, the Ten Commandments are there as a cover sheet, right? And then you have to break those down on how to apply those in your life.
So when you look at the 10, again, that's the cover sheet. When you're going into, now, these things that we're talking about, cash with law or how to be a, how, live a holy life. And it tells us what you're supposed to eat. This is telling you how to be holy. That's all it is. And so if you say under grace, I don't need to be holy, but, but you're gonna pollute the temple. So when you look at the temple, there are certain things that are done in the temple and your body is a temple. It says it in the, if you're looking at it, if you just study the, if you only study the New Testament, it says, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God, the temple of God. So why would you wanna put trash? You know, if, if, you, if you say you're under grace, you know, just go on and get you a trash can and, and eat all the slop out of, after I eat the food, don't want it to spit it in the plate, go and eat that. That's, that's what you're doing. Right? That, that's in, in fact, you said it's okay. And then you eat that stuff. And then next thing you know, you got all kinds of hepatitis and all kinds of stuff, you know? And, that, and that's, hepatitis why C. Of, that's why we have a lot of the diabetes and different things that's going on yeah. in our community. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we, we, we're getting you to break it down for, yeah. that's why Griff and I are, are getting you to break it down. You have a lot of diabetes and different things because of the tradition, because tradition is I was in slavery. I had to eat scraps. And it became like a delicacy, those chitlins yeah. and all that stuff. It, it's not, it's gross, but go ahead. Yeah. So let me go back here to the garden, right? In the garden, they had the two trees, right? Good and evil. So on, if you take the tree of good and evil, if you eat off of it, right? And, you, and you're doing these things of that. And, and when I say trees, I'm talking about, you know, you, you should know a tree by the fruit that it bears, right? This is the philosophies or teachings in the earth. In the garden, there were two teachings, right? And so each one of those trees, one tree had his fruit was life. That was the tree of life. And so that's what we're, we're trying to eat from the tree of life so that we can live. So if you eat off the tree of good and evil, it says, in that day that you eat of it, you shall die, right? But it didn't, you know, and so we take it to mean that if you eat it right away, you're going to die right away. No, it means, you know, you're not going to live out the entire lifespan that was declared for you or ordained for you, you see. And the problem we have today is because we were brought up in condition that we could live under grace and all we had to do is pray over it and eat it, we're killing ourselves. I mean, you go to the gym and work out and get all built up and everything. You go and have a, 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 a you know, eat all the rice and, and all the, you know, the junk and then, and then drink a, a gallon of alcohol and, and, and 17 cups of coffee and you just got to working out. You're running 15 miles, 30 miles, and then you go and eat this junk and your body has the fuel off this junk and you're dying. I know professional bodybuilders who, and it was a doctor that my, my uh, 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 Elisa went to, that it was a professional bodybuilder, looked good, felt good, but he was dying, dying. He had to change something. Mm -hmm. He had to make a change. And so we killing ourselves, we're dying because we're living from the tree of good and of, of, of good and evil instead of the tree of life. So when we say eating cash with law, we're saying turn to the tree of life because it is how you live. That is the fruit that you're gonna, you're gonna bear fruit from the tree of life. You're gonna give life, right? But the problem we have, again, one of the issues we have now is we've been so conditioned in the early years that we ate like the nations and not like the priesthood, the royal priesthood that we were born to be as the children of Israel. So we ate like, go ahead, brother. 
Go ahead. And, and Rabbi, it, it, isn't that how they tricked the Israelites? Though I go back to uh, the story of the Babylonian captivity, and that's what they wanted to do, right? Take the nobles and give them the feast, give them the finest of delicacies from the land, give them that in order to sway them so that they, the, the, the slavery of the mind, right? I don't even need to have you in chains. Now I got your mind captured with these delicacies. Now I got your mind captured. Now that you have the same appetite as us, we don't even have to intentionally enslave you anymore. You do it to yourself. You choose to stay here. You choose to, you know, indulge in this. Um, and so now mind control becomes so much easier. I feel like that's happened throughout our history is they change our appetite and that changes a part of who we are at our core. Mm -hmm. Social, social condition. Social yeah. condition. Yeah. I always tell a, a part people, of behavior. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead, Mike. We're raised on taste. We weren't raised on nutrition. We were raised on taste. Add more salt, add more sugar, add more bacon, add more fat, add more grease, add more butter. <laughs> we were raised on taste. And we are hedonistic yeah. people by nature. So we all about taste. We don't care about the uh, nutritional value of it. If it tastes good, oh, it's on and popping. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and um, that's how we're controlled by our taste, what looks good, what feels good, what sounds good. That's how we are controlled. Doesn't have to have any other person around. You look at that media, ooh, that, they've done studies. Who has done studies on other people more than us? They know more about us than we know about us. And the, you have the commercials that come in with the implication, oh, you need some popcorn. Almost have smell-o-vision, where you just, oh, I gotta have this, <laughs> gotta have it. Oh, wow, let's go run while the commercial's on and go get some. We're not raised, as Minister Michael said, on what's nutrition for us, nutritious for us. We need to go back. And the glad thing I'm about it is that once you start going back, that as you start going back, you're fighting what's already been put in there, but you can win. You can win. I'm experiencing it. So I'm getting rid of all of those things that I used to eat and have done that. And now supplying my body with what is good. And I'm seeing the effects of the things are reversing in my body. And I'm thankful to Hashem for that. But take that to heart. Take that to heart. Fill yourself with what's good for your body, what your body is crying out for. I remember last week you were saying something about your body was craving something. And so you, I don't know if you ate an, an abundance of it or what, but your body needed it. The body tells you when it needs something. And if you hold off too long, you'll overeat. And that's what we can do with popcorn, with candy, with anything you'll overeat it. Yes, your body may need a little bit of sugar. Yes, your body may need a little bit of salt, but don't overdo it because it will show up in the body. Well, Elisa, you, you're supposed to still do our nutrition um, segment at some point. And it's, it's not just food, it's, it's uh, medication. They tell your kids have ADA because they're acting up. <laughs> I guess they're acting up. They brought over here in slavery. All you told them is that they came off a boat and, and, and you put them in class and you treat them like adult. I guess they are acting up. But God has given us now a situation with this pandemic. You can teach your own children and quit medicating them with, and tell them, letting people tell you they have ADA. No, they need attention and they need education. That, and they need you. They need prayer. 
and 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 let me just add, you know, I got to keep my teacher perspective here. Let me just add, they need to be treated like individuals. As teachers, something you have to learn is that not all 30 are the same. Some kids need to stand up in the back of the room and have a clipboard, and that's what they need to do. Some kids need to set their head down for a second because, they, you know, there's just so many situations that we have to attend to and give our kids, even though it may be from the same mother, whatever, they are individuals and they need that individual attention in order to reach their max potential. And getting back to the, the Babylonian experience or experiment, I should put it like the, the Babylonian experiment. When you're reading that and you look into the book of Daniel, the seer, and, he, and, he, and he's given his narrative of what happened during that captivity, one of the things they did was they changed their names. You, you know, along with that diet, they, they sought, they changed their names, you see. So when you change the name, now, you know, you start with this behavior modification, right? And so that is a way of removing you from your heritage and your culture. Remember, there were 70 years, only 70 years in that captivity that Jeremiah talks about, Jeremiah talks about, 70 years, you know. So it wasn't that long, really, when you think about it. And in that 70 years, many of them, their behavior had been so modified, right? They changed it because they, first of all, they changed the name and then the diet, what they were eating, what they, what they consumed with their eyes, what they consumed with their ears, and then what they consumed physically with their mouths. All of that plays a role in behavior modification. Now you consider 400 years, well say, consider two generations of that, just two generations of that in this country. Your name was gone. You know, when I went in, when I was in college and I was pledging Persian Riflemen, which is a military organization, what they did, we couldn't, we couldn't use our names as the pledges. We had to say we were earthworms. Yeah. Sir, I am an earthworm. So low, sir, that I so help to sir, stand on so tippy-toe, sir. I'm an, the, what is it? The pledge is an earthworm. So you, you tear you down to nothing. That's called behavior modification. That's a part of behavior modifications. But at the end of the pledge and during the, the hell week as we had it, pledge week, you said the pledge, sir, right? You, you change it to the pledge. You became, you know, the pledge, sir. And then when you graduate, of course, you're your rifleman, you're your Persian rifleman. So they change the way they treat you. They've modified you. You know, you know they've changed, they modified your behavior. You're no longer a civilian. You're a military person. You went down to nothing and you came back up and you became, and you go into the Marines, any branch of service, especially the Marines, because Marines is not a branch of service, it's a core. But you're torn down to nothing. This is behavior modification. The military are, are masters at that. Mm. The United States, this, this country, this nation are masters at behavior modification. The Babylonians were masters at behavior modification. We have gone through an experiment, a social experiment that began, as we say, back in Babylon, Babylonian captivity, where they started to change the names and again, feeding us with what they wanted us to have. But there are many of us in this day and time that have said, look, I'm not, no longer gonna 
be a partaker of this behavior program, this experiment. It started when we, even in this country, from the beginning, we already had rebellious ones. They cut their feet off, cut off their tongues, cut off their hands. Those are the ones that would not conform. conform. So many of the people today that we see that are in prisons, that are having a hard time, they're having a hard time because they will not conform. And so they're placed in this subgroup. And we okay. see it, we see that happening now with this COVID. If you don't get the uh, the vaccination, you you're starting to be put in this little category in this box. And so we see now that we don't trust the food going to the fast foods or out anymore because the COVID. So we're what we're cooking at home more now. We're teaching our kids at home. We're going back to the basics. If you don't see it. And if you don't conform, which a lot of us like myself aren't going to take that vaccination and do, they're going to start handling us in a minute. So get ready. They're going to start cutting us off for okay. things. You can't travel. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's fine. Because I got a backyard. I got some seeds. I can put some food down in there and grow it if I need to. Well, actually, it started before then. Right now, right now, there are people that are because they refuse to assimilate into American society. They're in prisons now, all right? They're in jail now, or they're dead. Many of them are dead. So this, this COVID thing is nothing. It's nothing. Because we're already taking flu shots. We're already doing it. So that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, this society, again, this form of government has always manipulated and controlled what we do and how we do it. Again, my experience in corporate America was because I had an idea of who I was from a child. And I thank God for my parents for showing me this. And so there are certain things I just would not accept treatments. And I didn't act a certain way, which was expected for me to act in society. So Again, in corporate America, a lot of people said, well, one of my mentors said that he said, just obey, just do what they say. I said, I can't do it. I just can't do it. You know, I've been in leadership positions in different companies and in the meetings, and I just would not conform to what they wanted. And so I would lose my job because I refused to treat people like me that look like me the way they want or thought I should treat them. Uh -huh. But I treated everyone on equal footing with dignity and respect. And that was not acceptable in many instances in corporate America, especially in the oil field and Marine department, because there's, you're making six figures. They don't think you should be making six figures anyway. See, so, and when you're making that kind of money, you know, and you're in a, a you you know, you're in a leadership position all the time, sometimes they want you to act in a certain way. And that's behavior modification. And you see a lot excelling because they've accepted or they don't cause any problems. Because again, we don't see it oftentimes, but I fought it all my life because I, I recognize it. Because again, it comes from my parents and my grandparents, right? 
who taught us who we are. And so a lot of times there are things, again, that this society has put in us that we, it's like a blind spot. It's, it's just a natural thing, you know, that we do. Because again, when you look at, and you say Frederick to me, and my mother said, your name is Frederick. Right? And so I started looking and I said, found out that it's actually Absalom. It's the same name. So my parents gave us names, English names that actually were our Hebrew names. There's a direct translation to our names, every one of them, you see? And so, you know, and, the and name changing. Even you being a product of knowing your identity from the beginning, mm -hmm. giving you an education, making six figures, becoming a rabbi versus somebody coming from a house of struggle. I mean, yeah. it, it, the difference is, is real. It, it's real. Yeah. It's from real. Coming from where there's nobody home because both parents are working or you're a single parent and right. you got to keep food on that household. So your kids are out of order. They, they're doing, right. they're, they're struggling at home. Yeah. You're trying to keep food on the table. And it's just yeah. a breakdown and, and, of, of everything. And that's by design. You know, that's by design, right? Mm -hmm. Again, that's all a part of the behavior. And, and we, and our strength, you see, the, the, the problem that I have oftentimes is that even in our religious systems, there, the modification of behavior is perpetuated, especially when they teach us to be docile. Children of Israel were not docile. I'm sure we adapted to different people's behaviors and customs because you know they were there in power, but we were always a rebellious people. See, that's one of the ways you find out who Israel are because most of us are rebellious. Now, if you're a priest, are you from the priesthood or the Levitical line? It's, there's a difference in your behavior because of that, right? And, and you really have to study the Levites and, and, and the priesthood to see. And then when you get into the different tribes, the different behaviors that we, different things that we do. So we're all the same people, but we're, we're what do they call them? A, 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 we have our differences, our behaviors that are different. And we are a stiff-necked people, so we're rebellious. I have nephews that, you know, they could be doing something wrong, and they just, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do what you say. And, and, and I can be that way as well, right? And, and I'm sure that, you know, I listen to Brother Jerry, he's not here, I should say, but he's, he's got it in him. It's in him. It's in him. And that's why he asks those questions, right? And so we're, we're all um, products of our environment, but we can change that. And the only way that we're going to change that is, is, is pulling back. The bar means to, to pull, you know, change it and, and change it or, to, or to enter the, 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 the letter, the bar, the, or the, the bar, the change or to go into something. We, we need to go back to where we are. Go back to the beginning, and and we one of the things we do again is recapture the name, right? Our names, and that's one of the things that we do, right? When we come to the knowledge, and we would say, okay, I'm, Malcolm X said, I'm not his name, Malcolm Little. I'm Malcolm X because they understood the power of the name. We have to understand the power of what happens when we change our names. 
that is a very basic part of behavior modification. I'm going back again, I keep going back to the same things over to re reinforce what has happened to us as a people. Again, I go back to the grace thing. The grace thing is a part of the, the, the religious philosophy that you don't need to have your behavior change or to go back to the beginning. In order to go forward or to see the future, you have to go back to the, to the beginning to see it. To see that if I do this, this is what's going to happen. If I go back and research the case law, it says this is what the children is, this is what our forefathers did. So this is the result of their decision. So when we, if we don't go back, if we say I'm under grace and I don't have to go back and see what happened under the teachings, then you don't have a foundation to stand on. So you can know all of Christianity, all the New Testament. If you don't have a foundation, again, if you say the grace, I have free and unfettered mavor of God. You have always had free and unfavored mavor of God because you say you are my first fruits, Israel. You are my first. That tells you, that implies. That statement itself implies favor and grace. See, so you don't find that, you know, you have to go back and find the root of the, where is it? Where is it? So everything that, let me, let me do something else again. Everything that happens in the earth has a root in the heavenly realm. Okay. It has a root. It, its root comes from the heavenly realm. You see. So when we started dealing with this change that we have, if you don't have, if you don't know where the root comes from, if you don't have strong, if the root is not strong, the, 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 the tree is going to die. The teaching is going to die. Right? So you have to know the root. The root has to be deep. And the deep roots for us is in the Torah. Now, in the teachings of the Torah, or this grace that we live in, we want to make sure that is low-hanging fruit, corporate statement, right? Low-hanging fruit. Fifth grader can get to it. So he can understand what grace is all about. Grace is about being the first fruit of God's choosing. That's what the grace is. The grace doesn't mean that you, you don't have to abide by the teaching. Grace means that God favored you even before the earth was created. That's where your root is. The root for Israel is in the heavenly realm. Before you were born, I knew you. In other words, I, you were graced by me. You had favor by me before you were in your mother's womb. That's where our root is. And so the Torah helps us to go back and find that spiritual root to attach to. You see? Because we, we lost that root. And if people are telling you you don't need that root, then that tree is not from the tree of life. Tree of life tells you you need to be into the where the roots are deep. The tree of life has deep roots. And that's why, let me give a let me give a shout out to the Jews. That's why the Jews have deep roots. That's why they're so strong, because they've attached themselves to the tree that has deep roots. Yeshua in Yahweh. But the Israelites have detached themselves from the tree of life and taken on the tree of good and evil, which has no root. Okay, even though you call upon the name, which is not the name, because the name was changed. Again, behavior modification. If they change the name of the Savior, 
then they change how you see the Torah. You understand that? That's, the, that's very powerful. If I can change the name, if I can change your name and, and make you and have you act out that name, I can change everything that you do. In fact, if I give you a Babylonian name, then people will worship you, you as a Babylonian savior. So here's, a, here's, a, here's an arguing point. Sunday worship is a Babylonian worship. The Greeks had the Israelites, when they were in power, not to circumcise. And those that were circumcised were hiding their circumcision. It was the Greeks, again, changing and telling and forcing the Israelites to eat pork. Hannah and her sons, her, her seven, her, Hannah's sons killed because they wouldn't do what? Eat that pork. Defile the temple of God. See, Hannah understood, those people, the children of Israel, the children of Israel understood the spiritual implications, right, of pork, eating things that are unkosher. Though he, though he has the hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud. That pig doesn't chew the cud. My parents say the, the, the pig, it don't have no veins. You, you, know, you, don't, you don't eat the, the pig. You don't eat that pig. It's nasty. You know. But force you to, the, if you could change your name, change your identity, Cause you, I can have you eat and defile the temple of God. Go in and make a sacrifice on the altar, you know, a swine on the, on the altar. I can have you do that because, and it'd be okay. You'll accept it. You know, you may not accept, but your children and your children's children, after a while, they're going to believe that. They're going to accept it. They say, it's okay. My daddy didn't. So it's okay. But your dad broke the covenant because his dad didn't keep him in the covenant, see? So, so, so all of this that we're dealing with and, and we're appealing to people to come back to the Torah, study this, these laws, so, because you're never gonna find out who you are listening to people that don't direct you to the tree of life, you see? And this life everlasting has been taught from the beginning from Adam, he was teaching eternal life, you see. But all of his children didn't accept eternal life. And we know that because one of his children was a murderer. So he didn't accept the teaching and they came from the same parents, right? Same parents. Did I lose you? Am I still there? You're still there. Okay. Uh, you know, so they had the same parents again. So you can come in the same house, but again, and and if you don't take hold to the to the tree that that has root deep roots, you know, you got that are going to manifest in your natural body. So the our Father Avinu Shabbat Shamayim, in His grace and mercy, taught our forefathers what to do and how to spot and identify things, foods that are, that are, that will sustain us, help to sustain our bodies, our spirit, our mortal bodies while on this earth 
will not add to the destruction of our bodies as we keep our bodies, as I, if I might say it, if we keep our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to our venal Shabbat Shalom, our Father in heaven. How do we do it in the things that we do? Things that we ingest in our eyes and our ears and our mouth and into our mouths. And, and these things, we look at them as foods and clothing, you know, even in our clothing, you know, clothing, our, our kosher, kosher, the clothes that we wear are supposed to adhere to kosher law. What does that mean? You're not supposed to mix different materials, right? Certain materials you just don't mix. And you're not going to find that in the New Testament. You'll find it in the Torah, right? I know I'm not reading straight out of the Torah right now, but I'm just explaining because it's in the Torah and it's in Leviticus. It's in Leviticus and in chapter 11, you're looking at chapter 11 and 12, you'll see these things in there, right? Of how to do it. Um, but we, again, I said earlier, be careful uh, or, or to pray for us rabbis because we go a little far. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, when we were talking about Eating, being holy, and I want to keep it very simple. It's like this. There are certain animals that we eat, right? And we can't eat. And they have the hoof, right? That they're supposed to have a certain hoof. May I share a screen? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. And then if you have questions, uh, just ask questions on this. I'm going to try to pull this out because I want to do this instead of just reading it straight out of the, the Torah, which I should probably should do. You uh, have it. Okay, I, I see it now, okay. I'm going to share on the screen. I want, I don't, cause I don't want to, I don't want to let this get away when I do this. Okay, so you should be looking at a, a picture of, of a cow, right? No. You don't see the cow? No. Oh, it's not coming up. Oh my goodness. Wait a minute. See if it's coming up now. I think it's coming up. It, it might take a while. If it doesn't, that's terrible. <laughs> Can you see it now? Yes. All right. You see a cow now, right? Okay. Uh -huh. Good. All right. My computer is a little bit slow. All right. So you see this cow, right? Cooking for the butcher's cooking with the butcher's wife, and it says kosher. Now, if you look at this cow, this picture of this cow, see, that's why I say you got to pray for us, for us uh, rabbis. Because <laughs> you look at that cow, now when you read the scripture about it, it tells you the hoof, right? And the, the cow, this is a cow, right? He has the hoof, and he chews the cud, right? But look at what it says, what is kosher. The first half of the cow. Is kosher. Scripture doesn't say that. Torah doesn't say that. Understand? That's why I say you have to be careful with, you know. But this is from the rabbinic. This is from the rabbis. This is from the Jews. All right. They only they say only the first part, and they, and it says kosher. Okay, and it talks about the cuts of the beef and all that stuff. Right. All right. So the whole cow. The portions that are permissible are in the Torah, right? 
these parts that are, that are showing here are permissible to eat. All of that is permissible to eat, but there's more to be eaten on this cow. So if you want to eat beef, you know, I, I'm not a big beef eater. I do like hamburger and stuff like that, you know, uh, I do, but it's not a big deal. I can go without it. Again, there's another kosher parts of the beef. You see, can you see that? Kosher yes. parts of the beef, right? Uh -huh. Again, it tells you shoulder, the neck, the chalk, the rib, the short plate. So when you go to uh, buildings or, or uh, one of the places that, that are kosher meat, that's what they're going to be selling you for the most part, right? That's what they're going to sell you. Those are the cuts that you're going to get. And the thing about that is, um, now you see here's, you see it says non-kosher, all right? non-kosher the flank and all that that's not true all right that's not true the whole cow of the permission parts are eatable are kosher all of it is in beta israel all of the cow is kosher none of it is non-kosher now of course the blood you know you know eat the blood and stuff but as far as the, the animal it's kosher the goat of course, you know, all you see all that stuff now, you know, kosher. These are kosher animals because of the hoofs, the hoofs, and it chews the cud and it has a certain amount of stomach. They got four stomachs, actually. You know, got to have about four stomachs. Now, here's what you're looking for. Of course, we're in the US and we don't have to worry about it, but we know the goat and all that stuff. This is what we have to go through in rabbinic teaching, right? Show you how to identify. So, you go back to the farm. You buy your farm and you go to Israel, go to Africa, and you want to raise goats and stuff, you don't have to worry about it because you already know that they're kosher, right? Because they have the hoof. But if you're in a, you know, you just have to, the children of Israel, this is the beginning. So they had to be taught this. Our forefathers were taught all this, all right? And the, the Torah doesn't go deep into all this stuff. But our rabbis, again, have mercy on us rabbis. We have, <laughs> we have issues. We go a little bit deep, so we go a little, as the brother said, we go a little far sometimes. <laughs> and, and we don't have to always go that far, but it's good to know. And I can, you know, I'm going to stop this year. I'm going to stop this year. But, but there in the Torah, let me go to the Torah. I hope I, I hope I don't make y'all get too tired here. <laughs> okay, because I'm going into Torah now because uh, in chapter 11, okay, speak to the children of Israel, the Israelite people, all right? Talking to you, right? So again, this is your code of conduct. This is, is your tree of life. This is the teaching from the tree of life. Think of it that way. The Torah is a tree of life. All right. The world systems are the tree of good and evil. They're both in the garden and you have a choice of which one to choose from. I went to a, a, a Catholic church visiting back years ago and the the I remember the priest gave a message on choose life. And so that's what I'm saying here. And that's what we're saying. Uh, those in ministry, we're saying choose life. So for me to tell you to choose life, I'm telling you to choose the Torah and go back and learn what the Torah says. 
about you, especially if you are an Israelite or you, um, can you see my Torah? Yes. Okay. Speak to the children of Israel. Uh, these are the creatures that you may eat from among all the land animals. See, so it tells you which behemoth, which beast, which creatures you can eat from. So he, again, this is our instructions on how to be, remember, we are holy people. We're called to be a holy people. And just as our children have to be taught how to grow up in our households, as you said earlier, uh, uh, Ethel, the children, the children, the child, the children, uh, B'nai Israel, we have to be taught, right? Mm -hmm. So in this country, especially in this country that I know of, we were taught wrong by society because they told us we could eat whatever we want to, just pray over it. But that's not what the scripture says about us. So you have to choose which tree you're going to eat from. I'm offering between you life and death. Okay, that's what I'm offering to you today. Life or death, All right? Again, so the serpent will say, well, you're not going to eat. You're not going to die if you eat pork and stuff. But the scripture says, if you eat it of the tree, you're going to die. Okay, but the serpent will tell you, well, you're not really going to die. You're just going to be like God. So that's telling you. So if you go ahead, brother. Rabbi, it, 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 I, I was waiting for an opportunity. I almost said this earlier, but now you just put it out there. But it just, right. there was a friend of mine. We were, we were, uh, uh, I actually went to high school and we had a, a, a discussion about this because he, he was wondering, you know, because he knew I was going through this whole transition and stuff. And that was the exact thing that he said. Well, the way I was taught, you know, all I got to do is pray over the food and that makes it better. That makes it okay. And then I asked him, I said, so you mean to tell me that your prayer overruled and nullified the word of God when he said that this was unclean? And now by your prayer, it has made it clean. And he was silent for like about 30 seconds. And he said, I never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cause I'm like, you got some power then if you overrule. <laughs> yeah. But I think we, but you like say, you know, we've been bamboozled and hoodwinked and you know, drunk the Kool-Aid and liked the taste of it. So we just repeated the process. Must be good, cause it tastes good. Pleasing to the right. eyes and right. to the taste, <laughs> right? That's it, pleasing to the eyes and to the taste. It's good, it must be good. Yeah, I, I remember, I tell you now, look, I had to confess, now, I went, you know, I had that lobster, you know, you know, oh, yeah, lobster I used to eat shrimp and, and you no, know, but it was somewhere down the line, I think when I was in, after I got out of, after I left college and moved to Houston, I just remember one time I went home and my mom had stopped buying pork. She didn't buy pork chops no more. She didn't buy bacon no more no ham she just had, had stopped for whatever for re whatever reason uh -huh. and then eventually um i think once i joined the gym and was trying to improve my whole eating habits and everything and it's like i didn't have a taste for it and like right now i can't even stand the smell 
of it. It's almost like once you stop doing something for so long, it's kind of like smokers. I've always heard that people that used to smoke, once they stop, for a lot of them, they can't stand the smell. Some of them, I guess, get a yeah. craving, but uh, other yeah. ones, they loathe the smell of smoke. You know, yeah. And you know what? I don't even miss it. I don't even. I don't even miss sport. You know. Yeah. There's just so many other things out there, you know. And what our bodies really crave is nutrition. But we fed it so much of this other stuff, we think that's what it, what it is. And when I did a study one time, a lot of times when we think we're hungry, we're actually dehydrated. Our right. body needs water. But we've mistaken it for that we need food. That's why a lot of times when they do the fasting and everything, yeah, they got hungry. But as long as they had that water, they could survive. Yeah. Well, all this talk about food is making me hungry now. <laughs> Drink some water. Get you some. Get your glass of water. I don't need no water. Get big your glass girls, of water. Big girls need some food. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. So our father is teaching us, right? Our father has us at. Think about it this way: Today is the Sabbath day, Shabbat, and we're at the kitchen table, and the father's at the head of the table, and he's teaching us how to eat, how to carry our vessel. Right. And so this is what we, we're enjoying our father teaching us. So he says, look, children, he says, these are the creatures that you may eat from all the land animals. Any animal that has true hoofs with clefts through the hoofs and the that choose the cud, such you may eat. He said, you may eat it. You don't have to eat it, but you may eat it. It's permissible. Right. Because a lot of people are vegetarians. Right. And that's one of the, if you want to work, make sure you're kosher, you know, you, you, you know, you can get some, get off to me, but still you can get into the vegetables and get into some stuff you're not supposed to eat too. By the way, if you, if you really want to get it, you can get into some stuff that really hurt you uh, in that diet. Okay. It says, uh, it's, again, it goes on, it says the following, however, are those that either chew, cut, chew the cud or have the true hoofs you should not eat. So there are some that have it. And you know what? The camel. Do you think you can eat camel meat? I don't think I could. Camel don't even look like I could. Yeah. You know, I don't like, no, it's not happening, right? But we don't eat. And so it says you don't eat the camel, right? You shall not eat the camel. Gamal. That, that, Gamal is camel. Gamal is the letter Gamal. And it's camel, right? It's, it's, it's uh, exalted and stuff. It's, uh, although it chews the cud, it has no true hoofs. It is unclean to you, so you don't eat it, right? You know, I was in Germany. And them boogers feed you horse if you're not careful. Yeah. You'll eat horse. I think I had some horse. I was there in Germany two years. I probably had some horse, didn't know it. You know. <laughs> okay. So it says, uh, even though it, it does shoot a cut and have the hoofs and 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 uh true hoofs, it is unclean. Uh the diamond also cues it could it has no truth. I had it, I didn't, you know what? I forgot what that is. Daman uh, is unclean too. So y'all forgive me, I have to go back and research that again. And the hair that you know, how many go? You know, when I was hunting, I used to go hunting rabbits. Guess what it says? The hair, which is a rabbit, right? A breed of rabbit. Although it chews the cud, it has no true hoofs. It is unclean to you. So don't eat any more rabbit stew. Okay? Hair stew. Yeah. Hair, don't eat it. Stop. <laughs> okay? Uh, 
if you want to have a if you want to see into the spiritual realm, you know, if you want to get into prophecy and operate, you know, you can eat whatever you want, but you're not going to operate in truly as a temple of the Holy Ghost. Your visions won't be true visions, right? Your dreams will not be true dreams and your body is going to tear down and your spiritual body is going to tear down. Nishima, all right? Uh, it says um, the swine, what is a swine? We know that swine, we already know that, right? If you, what does it say? What happens to a swine that it turns to worms right away? Put it out there, you know, worms in it. Yeah. That's if if you leave you it out, and I think if you pour like some Coke on it, Coca-Cola, yeah. because of that, said it, the worms will come out of the meat. Yeah. That's so what I've been told. I've never tried that. Definitely. But you know, some people like worms. You know, they even put a worm in, in, the, in the, what is that? Oh, the tequila. tequila. See that? The yeah. tequila. Put a worm in that thing. You know, that's that's something. You know, it depends on the worm though, right? It depends on the worm. Hey, hey, that, quick you know, when that worm is in that tequila, it's marinated. Hey, hey, quick question, Rabbi. <laughs> it gets marinated. So, you know, it may not be so bad. I don't hey. think I could drink it though. <laughs> this right. one says, it says you shall not this. eat. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Rabbi. Quick question. This one says did not touch the carcass of the pig. So are we not supposed to touch even touch the pig? Or is it That's just right. in the dead carcass. That's right. It says you shall not touch their flesh or touch their carcass. That's dead. That's dead, right? Okay. So touch the not eat don't eat the flesh or touch the carcasses. So it's interesting to me, like how even think about something like football, right? Football is played with the pig skin, and we love football, but we're sitting there passing on the carcass of the pig. Of the like, pig, we, where intentional or not, you know, going back to Easter keeping it real. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, something to really look at, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we wear them on our shoes, on our feet. Mm -hmm. Pig skin sometimes, oh. sometimes, right? Sometimes. Okay, these you may eat of all that live in water. Okay, so we know that's uh, whether it's either for uh, fins and scales, right? And so we had a question the other day about, and, and we knew this already, but sometimes you forget so you have to go and refresh yourself, which is why it's good to go back through the Torah and refresh yourself on how to live the Holy Life. The reason we study the Torah is, is to, to help us to remember how to live a holy life because we are children of a holy God, right? So that's why we study this thing to show us, to, to help us to remember how to live this way. And so we had this, I was sardines. I like sardines. You know, you got your fatty acids in it. And then we had to, I thought about it, I said, why? Wow, I think Eliza said or somebody, I said, are these things kosher? But I remember we had a discussion in rabbinic class that they are kosher. And I had to go back to my notes again and look to make sure that they kosher. I didn't want to give up my sardine. <laughs> I didn't want to. But if I had to, I would have. But I didn't want to give up. <laughs> but come to find out, they do have skin, uh, scales, right? Very thin scales, they do have them. So sardines, you can have them. Uh, all right, it says anything in the seas or streams that has no fins and scales among all the swarming things of the water, among all the other living creatures that are in the water, they are an abomination to you. You know what? Have you ever had, uh, was it in the season, in the spring to have crabs? And they eat the crawfish. Crawfish. 
crawfish boils and they suck that head. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's going too far. Hey. I, 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 you know, I eat crawfish, but I don't be sucking no heads on no crawfish. <laughs> You're supposed to suck that head. What's in that? Ooh, that's nasty. Yeah, 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 but they, they, I mean, that's a delicacy in, in Louisiana, right? In, yeah, in it has all that gray uh, mustard looking stuff in it. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Uh, how's it taste? Isn't that like the brain or the feces? I don't know. I've never yeah, tasted I it. So. I just eat the, the, the tail of it, like the lobster tail. Now, now, you just said a mouthful when you said the feces. Now, if you're a holy child or the holy king, what are you doing eating feces? You got to put dung on your face. Well, man. I mean, and you got to think about those creatures. They are like the scavengers of the sea. They help clean, keep it clean. So yeah. what they're cleaning and eating up is the feces of the fish. But, but, yeah. but hold on, does, does, a, does a catfish have scales? No. No. So catfish, are so so we just love all the all the stuff that's all against the, the kosher stuff. law. Yeah. We just in love with literally the stuff that's against the kosher law. Okay, and that's not by accident. That is by <laughs> design. Intentionality. Remember, I said the the Greeks, what they would do is force the Israelites to eat pig and eat stuff they weren't supposed to. It's I'm by design. Pig, but I, I'm still y'all gonna pray for me with that that shrimp. That <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that. I ain't gonna even sit here and lie. <laughs> well, we're gonna pray that you know, change your taste buds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you like that and, shrimp. And, and a buddy of mine, he's a fisherman, and he told me he said, when catfish come in, all the clean fish leave. Mm. So he said when he started catching catfish, he said he just, you know, pack up and he leave. Time to go, yeah. yeah. all of the clean fish then left out of there. And they're and all of the, they're coming in to, to clean up all the the waste and stuff yeah, that's in all there. All the waste, they come yeah. to clean up. Time to clean up, clean up the kitchen. Clean up the kitchen. <laughs> and we go eat it. <laughs> yeah. I used to watch the fish eat every day when I was out on the drill, drilling platforms and on the drill ships and stuff. I used to watch them every day. They come and eat, and uh, in the barracuda would be around there. Shark when the shark come in, they clean house. They come in. The barracudas, sharks didn't mess with the barracudas. Barracudas some bad boogers, but then shark would come in. I watched two shark come in, and they had a routine. They come in and they would split up. One go left, one go right. They make a circle and then they strike. They knew how to hunt as a team and uh you know so but again again the 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 fish that were there they were edible right all of them had uh except for the you know shark barracuda you want to eat those but the other fish the redfish salmon things like those are good fish i like those um but and and again they don't and and the thing about the fish is you don't have to worry about the blood that's through rabbinic teaching, though. Don't eat the blood on the fish. Get the blood out. If you, you know, don't. If you Rabbi says it's okay. Bring down, yeah. Rabbi, so we can see you. So, 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 Rabbi. Oh, let's okay. Be, let's be practical about this, Rabbi. So, what's that mean? So, when I go to dinner, is it okay to order medium well? Like, how how far are you know you know what I'm saying there? You gonna get you gonna get that. First of all, you need to go to a kosher restaurant. <laughs> okay, get your kosher. But if you can't go to a kosher restaurant, 
well done. Always well if you done. see blood or plasma or something coming out of that thing, red, you suspect that it's blood, send it back. So, so not even that one before, well, the, not even that medium, well, that one step below, we can't just a little pink. It's not blood, it's just yeah. pink in the center. It's just a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> you don't want that blood. You don't eat the blood. Now you're a holy man. You're a holy man, don't eat the blood. You know, blood. some yeah. you know, some people like their steak warm, not cooked. They like it warm. I've seen people that make me sick just to see them eat it. And there's they just blood on the on the plate, all sucking that. Sucking on that blood. Sucking on that blood. Yeah. And they just as mean as they could be, you know, eating that blood. So we don't eat the blood. No, no. Well done, all right. Well done. Make sure tell them you want it well done. You don't want to see no blood. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you want to, that's if you want to maintain a kashrut lifestyle, a holy lifestyle, right? In food, kosher means eating or or prepare, food preparation in a holy manner. To make it simple, all right. In a holy manner, because kosher doesn't just stop at the food. And I know I haven't read all of that in the in the uh, parashah. Now you know when I got, I was just talking about the animal, the fish. I didn't go to the birds because it tells you which birds. But let's talk about this 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 kosher kitchen, right? Because you can read. See, the kosher kitchen is not in the Torah. You don't see that in the Torah, do you? But it does tell you about the plates and stuff, the vessels, the wooden vessels. It tells you about the vessels, what to do with those vessels. All right, it does. And if you have, say, um, cheese or dairy product and the meat, so you can't, you're not supposed to mix those. And when we go into the Shulchan Aruch, it explains why. The Shulchan Aruch gives you an explanation of why you don't do that. It tells you the health uh, deficiencies that happen when you eat that way continually. And that's the good thing about having things like Shulchan Aruch. And I give the kudos to, again, the rabbinic society for keeping up with that out of the Torah. So the Torah says, if it has a certain thing that you're supposed to break the dish, and the reason they would break it is because the pores, they have the dishes that they made had pores in it, and, and part of that food, that substance would be in the pores. So in order to keep from contaminating it, okay, then you would just break, they would break it, right? Um, and so this whole, this this could be, a, we could be going for this for hours, right? Well, so, y'all didn't talk about food. I, in, have, in, I haven't eaten nothing yet, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the home, when it talks about cashier in your kitchen, if you have a dishwasher, right, you put your, food in your, your dishes in the dishwasher and, and, and you have cashered it. If you have an oven with something, you can, you know, it has to go a, a certain, you know, in the, in the oven, it says 400 degrees for 20 minutes. That's outside grills. That's, that actually is a cashered uh, uh, ritual, right? They don't tell you that, but that's what it is. But you can coach your kitchen. In other words, if you had, if you have a, a home that you move into, or you're a new home, or, or, you know, you don't want to mix meat and milk. You want to mix fish and meat. You're actually not supposed to. According to, you're not supposed to eat meat and fish at the same time. You know, 
It has an effect on your body, right? So, you know, we have to be careful about that. So Kashrut law, the holy law of eating or food preparation and food containment are important for us because it keeps our body from having these blotches and stuff. Or, you know, we have these different things that come out on your body. If you're an Israelite and you continue to eat that way, you'll start seeing changes in your body. And that's real. When we that were is over, real. When we were over in Israel, they said you can't have two of the babies from the animals. Remember they told us that, Griff? That you can't have the egg of, and then you can't have the meat at the same time because you're taking two right. babies from animals. That's what that's how they kind of explained it to us. Uh, yeah, that's when they talk about eating a, a, a boiling a kid in his mother's milk or taking the eggs. You should, if you have the hen, and it's in this Torah. This is straight out of Torah, right? I think it's out of Torah. You 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 have a hen, you know, you take the eggs, but you don't. You're not gonna kill the hen. And eggs. This is humane. This is more humanity. All right. This is in helping and repairing of the world. That portion is 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 a, is a repair of the world, because we want to perpetuate the race, or the family of the chickens, or even the cattle or the goats. Right. It's inhumane. How would you feel if somebody killed your child, right, in in front of your face, you know, and 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 then, you know. That's humane, inhumane. I put it that way. It's inhumane. So that's a part of the repairing of the the world. That's from Rabbi Absalom. Okay. By the way, that's from Rabbi Absalom. Some of the things that we do in there are for the repair of the world, or for inhumane, for being humane. All right. And also, the the boiling the kid in the mother's milk is actually a a um thing from again not only humane humanity. But it was also a way of worshiping another deity, okay, according to the nations. So that's one of the reasons why the Israelites were forbidden to, to boil a kid in a mother's milk. One for humanity reasons, humane reasons. Another was because of the ritual of other nations uh, worshiping idol gods. And, and depending on, you know, um, uh, uh, the teacher. Or the teachings, they'll they'll bring those things out. So I'm bringing them out now, okay. Uh, so you understand that it's humane and also, you know, it's just it's cruel. I think it's just cruel. So we don't. Do you boil a kid in a mother's milk? Do you use a, a milk to boil to cook in? You know. So it's it's a it's a deeper meaning than what is actually on the page. And and when I, I'm gonna do it from the. I'm gonna do a a a word study on it in the original manakate. I'm gonna do it in manakate because it gives a better understanding of the letter, each letter, what each letter means in that, when it, in that verse. So we'll probably get, I'll, I'll do that study on it and let you know exactly what it is because it's deeper than what you see on the page, okay? But in, again, in the cash, if you're cashing your kitchen, if you're making your kitchen holy, right? Um, for us, the most important thing, and, and you know, the circumstances are different. We understand that we're not in, in, in Israel, but we're still in our homes. And in some circumstances and situations, you're not able to, to keep pure kosher or kashrut law. And that's okay. That's where our grace comes in, right? When you desire to do it, but it's not, um, you're not able to do it completely at this time. 
but you're striving for it and you desire to it. That's where your grace is. That's where your mercy is because your father knows what your desire is and he will present a way so that you can do that, uh, you know, if, you, if your heart is right. And so some people go overboard with, you know, we have two sinks in our homes. Most of them we have one with the disposal in it and the other, you know, and people, you know, don't want to put certain foods. If you had certain foods on one side of the sink, you can't put it on the other side of the sink. That's going too far. <laughs> okay. Let's keep it simple, right? Um, we, understand without going too deep into it. I want to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. If you go to a synagogue and you you probably don't have this issue well, of we're having going, a cheeseburger. Now we're going a little okay. bit too deep. Now we're going a little bit too deep. <laughs> Is that a little bit too deep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, we're not the food police, right? Yeah. We're not the food police. We're not the kosher police. That's not our right. business. That's not our job. Okay. So, yeah, there, there's, there's a little, some deeper things. If, you know, <laughs> We have to be careful, right? We help you, so yeah, we we. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, y'all pray for me because sometimes I can, I have to catch myself. I've been going down into it now. But we 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 thank you it. so much for the the culture lesson. We need to know about food. We need to know why there's sicknesses falling upon us, and it all goes and it, and it all goes back to the beginning. It's the slavery and what we brought over here in the survival that we were were doing, like uh. uh Rabbi Afshalom said with a wonderful teaching, culture is the people, it's your temple, it's the sanctification of your body. It's not just about the food because we, no, we're not, Israel, we're not in Israel, but we are Israel. We are the temple. Right. We are Israel, okay? The Torah is the tree of life. He told you the Torah, that's the tree of life. Anything else is sinking sand. If you don't go to the Bible, everything else is sinking sand. We build our house upon the rock, which is the word of Yahweh, which is the word of God. Okay. And so um, we thank everybody for coming on. We look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Um, leave your email address. We're on 10, 10 o'clock AM. We'll invite you into the room. Uh, you come in, you don't have to say something, or you can talk, give us your views. And so we're going to end with the prayer. If we can have uh, off mic, end us with the prayer. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Lord, we just thank you. We bless you. We honor you, Lord. We lift up all people that are hurting and have lost loved ones, Lord. We pray that you would give them comfort and that peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. We pray for the sick, Lord, that you are a God that heals, Lord. Rapha, Lord, you are the God that heals, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your promises, Lord. We pray that you would uh, lift up, we just lift up the weak, Lord, that you would give them not only um, understanding, Lord, but give them your blessed assurance, Lord, that you are with them and you promise, Lord, that you would never leave us nor forsake yeah. us, Lord. Thank you for provision. Thank you for protection. Thank you for guidance and direction, Lord. Continue to open our hearts to your Torah and then your commandments will our soul pursue. Baruch Adei Hashem Tehilato. Blessed forever and ever is the name of his praise. B'Shem Yeshua. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.
Amen. I have my uh, prayer shawl that I ordered from Israel. Griff, I'll be sending you one. It has the, the fringes and it has the prayer and scripture on each four corners of it. So I'll be mailing uh, you and your wife one. You can um, go online and order and it comes out of Israel. We thank you all so much. We love you and we look forward to seeing you next Saturday. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom Aleichem.